want to take a moment to pray uh, right now. You know, one of the most compelling ideas that I try to wake up every day and, and remind myself of this and, and say this to myself is that the God who, who owns everything, who created everything, who controls everything, he is actually for me. He's for us. And uh, that, that word Emmanuel literally means God is with us. And what we stop to celebrate at Christmas is, and this is the true meaning of Christmas, is that God took initiative uh, to come into our world, even though we weren't in pursuit of him, he came in pursuit of us. And, and he's a God who loves us, he's a God who's for us, he's a God who's with us, and uh, I don't know what you're going through right now. You might be in a great season of your life. You might be in a transitional season. You might be in a difficult season. But I would say most of us need that assurance that our God is with us. Our God is for us. And I would just love to pray. So I want you to close your eyes and open up your heart. And let's just take a moment to welcome the Holy Spirit into this room today. Father God, we just want to thank you as we pause today to really remember the fact that uh, Christmas is all about. You sent your son into this world while we were yet ungodly and not in pursuit of you. You sought us out. That kind of love continues to pursue us today. And I'm praying for every person in this room today that there would be a strong sense that God is for you. God is with you. And that hearts would open to the amazing grace of our incredible God. Father, we breathe in today the reality of God for us. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, can you believe that this is the last Sunday of 2016 for us as a church? Uh, next Sunday will be Christmas Day, and we are going to encourage you to hang out with friends and family and uh, enjoy the day together and just overeat for the glory of God and just have a great day. Uh, find somebody you love and give them something that shows them you love them. And uh, we are going to meet next week uh, weekend on Christmas Eve, and you've heard a lot of talk about that already, but that's going to be our last time to gather as a church family. So it's going to be a combination of outreach to our community, which we love to do, and a combination of us gathering together on um, Saturday. So we're really doing Sunday on Saturday, if you're okay with that. And it's going to be amazing. And so what that's going to bring us to is that the, the next time we gather is going to be 2017. Next time we gather for Sunday church like this, and, and fortunately, it falls on the very first day of the year, which, which I think is an opportunity that we don't get that often. So our ushers are handing out a, a card to you. Uh, we are believing 
that 2017 is going to be our best year ever. And, and I'm believing that it's going to be your best year ever. And that's not going to happen by accident, but it is going to happen if we lean in and, uh, and allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. So there's a couple of things about this that I think are important that I would like for you to, to kind of hold on to. The, the first thing is we are going to meet on January 1st. We're going to have a regular service time, but we are really going to focus um, those times on the fact that we're, have, we're getting to meet on the first day of the year. And, and it is something very special and important about first things with God, that God gets the first and the best. I remember our, the president of our Bible college where Suzette and I met and where we went to, to Bible college, Christ for the Nations, Sister Frida Lindsay, she was an incredible woman of God. And she actually taught us, she said, I want to encourage you every year, uh, make sure that the first check that you write, you may not write checks anymore, but in those days we did write checks. She said, make sure the first check that you write for, for any year is, is for advancing the kingdom of God. It's an investment into the kingdom of God. And so it's a practice that Suzette and I have, have had for years that our very first, um, anything that goes out from us, the very first of the year is going to be toward the kingdom of God. But I just believe that we could come together and give God the first day. We're going to pray. We're going to receive communion together on that day. We're going to have a prayer time over everybody, and it's going to be an incredible day. So I want you to come ready to receive something great. And then um, starting January 9th through the 29th, we're going to do as we often do here. Uh, we're going to start with 21 days of prayer. And you can join in on this uh, at any level that you feel you want to in terms of fasting or prayer or whatever, but I do want to encourage you, this church is a house of prayer, and, and we, we, are, we are committed to the idea that, uh, that we are really winning the battle in a spiritual realm when we pray. Prayer is not just the work that goes before the work, prayer is the greater work, and uh, because that's where the real battles are, are won and lost. So I'm encouraging you to, to join us. We're going to have uh, prayer on Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning for three weeks um, at 6.30 to 7.30. Starts on time, ends on time. And then Tuesday and Thursday nights at 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. So, so you could choose one of those. I want to encourage you, if you're part of our church, choose a couple. Choose two or three. I, I'm going to be at all of them. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm just going to dive in and give God my very best to start out the year. And then we have pre-service prayer on Sundays at 8.45. It's a great time just to come and seek God. But I believe that it will be a great investment into the life of our church, but I also believe it would be a great investment into your own spiritual life and your own spiritual walk to start off the year, January 1st in church, and then January 9th through the 29th, 21 days of prayer. It's going to be amazing. Everybody say amazing. Thank you. Hey, today I'm back in head games, and uh, I want to talk to you about the games that go on inside of your head. 
and uh, they, they are many and varied, I am sure. I saw an interesting uh, video this past week that, uh, that helps kind of illustrate an idea that I would like to talk about today. Today I want to talk about power thoughts, power thoughts, but uh, every, every one of us has developed an angle towards all kinds of matters in life, all kinds of subjects in life. And the way, the place that you stand and the angle that you take and the perspective that you take is either helping you or hurting you. It's either lifting you or taking you down. So uh, we don't always know exactly what angle is right sometimes, you know. And I, I want you to take a look at this because it's just a, it's a concept of perspective and angles. Okay, you got it. <laughs> There's some stuff that you think is big, but it's actually pretty small. And there's some stuff that's actually pretty small, but you think it's big. And I want to say that I think we all have to recognize that there are perspectives, there are angles, there are approaches that you and I have taken that are determining where our life is going to head. And, and some of us get so attached to our perspective, our, our angle, that for anybody to challenge that perspective, we feel like they're challenging us. But the truth is, maybe it's just your perspective that's being challenged, or your angle that's being challenged. So you've developed some kind of angle, some kind of perspective, some kind of outlook on the way you think about God, the way you think about taking risk. You've developed an angle on money. You've developed an angle on authority. You've developed an angle on sexuality. You've developed an angle on men or women or church, or discipline, or what's actually fun, or not. And I want us to recognize that all of us have an angle. All of us have a perspective. I want us to be self-aware enough to realize that if you're standing in the wrong spot, looking at it from a wrong perspective or a wrong angle, your life is never going to be everything that God intended for it to be. I love the Mark Twain quote. He said, it ain't, it ain't what you don't know that really gets you in trouble. It's what you think you know for sure that just ain't so. That's what gets you in trouble. When you get set 
in an idea, when I get set in an idea that is uh, framing my perspective or framing my angle on something, and I am determined that this is the right angle, uh, then, and if it's really a wrong angle, it's never going to help me. Around here, we look to the Bible as God's eternal perspective on all things. To us, the Bible is authoritative. The Bible is infallible. Uh, the, the Bible has the correct viewpoint on everything. And I know sometimes there are some people that actually look at the Bible and say, how can you, how can you hold on to and trust a book that's literally thousands of years old? And my response is, how can you trust a faddish theory that's 10 minutes old? And I hope we are aware enough to realize that we need uh, an outside of ourself objective standard and viewpoint to, to view life from. So 2 Corinthians 10 is, is telling us about the, the battle that we're going to face in our head. The way we think, the angles we take, the perspective we have, the paradigm, the outlook that's going on. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, though we walk in the flesh or in the natural, we don't war according to the flesh. You may say, I don't like the idea of war, but you're in one. <laughs> there is a spiritual war that's going on. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh or of the natural, but our weapons are divinely powerful. Everybody say divinely powerful. Say it with me again, divinely powerful. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When I read this passage and I, and I recognize that this passage is telling us that we have reasonings within us, there are lofty things that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God, that there are thoughts that we are called to take captive, and that literally there are things that become strongholds inside of us. What starts as a thought turns into our reasoning. What our reasoning can turn into is our stronghold. The thing that's holding on to us, the perspective or the angle that we think is so, but it ain't, to quote Mark Twain. Isaiah 55, 8 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, 
and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen, we're talking about divinely powerful weapons. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I hope that, that you would understand this idea that many of our thoughts, many of the thoughts that were fed through the filtered news media, and they're not reporting everything that's going on. They're reporting what they want you to hear. They're reporting a perspective they want you to have. Even Facebook faced with fake news, like they didn't know there was fake news going on uh, on Facebook. You and I are being fed all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of ideas that are being filtered into us uh, by people who are making decisions about what you hear about and what you don't hear about and the angle that you're supposed to be taking on that. And so all of that is coming at us and then our whole life is going to be us exchanging my way for God's way, my thoughts for God's thoughts, my patterns of thinking for God's patterns of thinking, my strongholds, because I think a lot of us have strongholds that are patterns of thinking that are they're actually running our life. And we don't even realize it. We have thoughts we've learned, thoughts our family fed us, thoughts our culture has given us, thoughts the world has given us, and the collection of all those thoughts. I think sometimes people are not even thinking about what they're thinking about and how they're thinking about it. But the collection of all those thoughts turns into a reasoning that we have that then becomes our stronghold. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, As a man or a woman thinks within himself, so he is. As, as a person, the, the word thinks is, is the word shar in Hebrew, maybe shar to say it Hebrew correct. It means to calculate or to reckon. In other words, the way we calculate the way we add things up, the way we put the pieces together, as a person calculates or reckons within themselves, within their soul, within, their, within who they really are as a person, the way we think is the way we are. And I'll remind you that we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. We see the world from our angle, our experiences, our family values, our, our culture, our way of putting it, our, our angle, our perspective. And so the truth is, some people have an angle where they are living victorious, but then some people have an angle where they're living like a victim. Some people live with victory in their spirit and victory in their outlook, but other people live with a defeated outlook. Some people are living joyful, and some people have a stronghold 
of being downcast, of being always in kind of a mood. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Some people have a positive outlook. Some people have a negative outlook. Some people think the world is full of opportunities, and some people think the world is out to get me. It's an angle. It's a stronghold. And all of us have strongholds somewhere. All of us have to recognize that there's a way we've calculated. There's a way we figured it out. There's some experiences we've had. There's some things that have gone on that finally have brought us to this point. And so you might have a stronghold of poverty, or you might have a stronghold of rejection, and you, and you just live in fear of relationship, or you might have a stronghold of fear, or a stronghold of worry, or a stronghold of rebellion, or a stronghold of contention. I, some of the strongholds we could build... And, and as I ended my message with last week is to say, if you could build a positive stronghold, you could build, uh, if you could build a negative stronghold, you could build a positive stronghold. So if you could, you could build a stronghold of lack, that there's not enough, or you could build a stronghold of abundance, that God is a God who is more than enough. So every situation you encounter your stronghold in your perspective and your angle is going to have you think, you're either going to think, I can do this, I can afford this, or immediately you're going to go to a place to say, I don't think I'll be able to participate in that. I don't be able to do this. I won't be able to, to get involved. You want to go on a vacation, you, you want to buy a home, you want to get involved in the offering, you want to help somebody go on a mission trip. If you've got an abundance outlook, you're going, you know what, I think I can figure out a way to get involved in this. I remember the first time Suzette and I bought a home. Uh, we, we actually were here in Asheville. We're in our mid-30s. I'd still never bought a home. And I remember the fear that was in me thinking about committing myself to a, a monthly mortgage. I was already paying a monthly rent payment. <laughs> but there was a stronghold in me that was, that was having me make up excuses for years about why I couldn't buy a house. But once I finally pushed through that stronghold, we bought that house, sold it, made money on it, bought another house, sold it, made money on it. And now I'm in a home that I'm about ready to have completely paid for. And I'm thinking, I'm looking back on that guy and I'm going, what were you so afraid of? God's going to help me find a way. But it's all about the stronghold you have. Some people have the stronghold of generosity. Some people have the stronghold of stingy. And really, how do you see yourself? Are you a channel? There's more coming. Are you a pool? You better hang on to it. It, show, it shows up in the way you tip. It shows up in the presents you buy for your spouse. I said it shows up in the presents you buy your spouse. It shows up in how you participate in an offering. It's just like, I mean, there's dozens of places where 
generosity can show up or stingy. And I really believe that some people's fear freezes them up, makes them stingy. They can't release. They can't give. They can't let it flow, let it go. When we get a revelation of God's abundance, I think we move into generosity. I think you could have a stronghold of happy or a stronghold of sad. Abraham Lincoln said, people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And I want to tell you that there is a battle for your joy because your joy is your strength. And if, if, there's a, if there's a head game going on, if there's a war going on, it has to do with your joy. Because if you're walking around bummed out, disappointed, discouraged, allowing yourself to get depressed, allowing yourself to get into a moody situation, the truth is your ability to bless, to help, to make a difference is being diminished significantly. There's something about when your joy is full, your strength is full. When your joy is full, your boldness is full. You think about it. You'll find yourself most bold in, in inviting people to church or talking to people about spiritual things or moving forward in life when you are full of joy. And when you're feeling down and depressed and sad and discouraged and disappointed, you're just like, Ugh. it's a battle in your head. It's all happiness, joy. And I know, I know we could go, I know happiness is because of happenings. I understand that. But I'm just saying to you that your joy has nothing to do with your circumstances lining up. Because as soon as the circumstances you want to line up, line up, there's going to be some new ones that aren't lined up. Welcome to the planet. And you are going to have to recognize that my joy is my strength, and it's all about the way I think. Happy is a choice. Joy is a choice. And I know some people say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I, literally, I am like, I am, I am kind of depressed. And I don't know if you've read any of Caroline Leaf's material, but she's a, she's a great doctor, neuroscientist type person who is teaching us that literally, physically, you can change your brain, the physical part of your brain, by changing your mind. You could change your thoughts, and it literally physically changes your mind, changes your brain, changes the physiology of it. She has led people who have been in addictions to change, literally change. She has led people who have fought immense depression to change by changing their mind, changing their thoughts. You could have a mindset that says, I'm going to flourish in life, or you could have a mindset that says, 
nothing ever really works out for me. If your stronghold is things don't really work well for me, eventually you're going to find a way to sabotage your own self. As soon as things start moving forward, you're, you're going to find a way to go, wait, 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 I can't handle this. I don't want to get my hopes up. I think there are some people, they literally have a, a stronghold, a mindset that Christians aren't even supposed to prosper. Christians aren't even supposed to flourish. And if, that, if that's the way you're thinking, as soon as God wants to send something into your life that would lift you, that would help you, that would cause you to prosper, cause you to, to flourish, and you go, wait a minute, that can't be God. And you shut the door. Some people have the stronghold of, I can. Or some people have the stronghold of, I can't. And those who think they can usually end up getting it done. And those who think they can't, they're both right. And, and I can do this. I can figure it out. God can help me. I can, there is a way. I'm always looking for a reason. I'm always looking for an answer. I'm always looking for a possibility. That's a stronghold you can build. Or you could have a stronghold that says, I can't. And that stronghold is usually looking for some kind of excuse. One stronghold is looking for a reason to go forward, and another stronghold is looking, am I preaching this okay? Yeah. And, and another stronghold is looking for an excuse. Well, you don't know my, you don't know my wife. If you, if you had my wife, if you had my husband, You don't know this by job. You don't know the economy. You don't know your, the principalities of the prince of the air. My, I want to, but my second grade teacher hurt my feelings, and I just, I can't. I'm just like carrying this. Every time I go to step forward, I see that big, fat, ugly second grader. Thank you, Katie, for coming back to snort. Um, My, my second grade teacher is holding me back. Hello? Maybe graduate from second grade? I think people relationally build strongholds. You can have a, you can have a, a stronghold that is loving or a stronghold that's contentious. Why is it that some people always seem to end up in conflict in their relationships? They, they bounce around from church to church, because no church is good enough. They bounce around from job to job. They bounce around from spouse to spouse. They bounce around. Every friendship ends up, they get done wrong. And I... I'm saying that at some point, all of us have to stop and go, hey, wait a minute. The common denominator might be me 
And maybe everybody out there is not so bad. Maybe I just keep driving it into the ditch with my stronghold. Come on. Well, you know, one mindset just says love covers. It's better, better to be kind than to be right. And there are some people that would hear that statement and go, what? <laughs> One mindset says, better to be kind than be right. And another mindset says, I'm just looking for something to argue about. I'm just looking for a place where you're wrong. You can have a stronghold of, of forgiveness or a stronghold of fault finding. Right? So, some people choose to overlook things. Some people choose to look things over <laughs> to make sure everything is perfect to them. And it, I just want to say, if, if your mindset is to find fault, hello, of course you're going to find it. I, sometimes people would come to me, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but sometimes people would come to me in the past and go, you know what was wrong with your church? And I would go, one, that you're here, but... Uh, <laughs> but Two, that I'm here. <laughs> My list is longer than yours. If you want to find fault with this church, guess what? This church is full of a bunch of faulty human beings. Thank you very much. And, but if you want to find fault, you find it. But if, you, if your mindset is to say, look, I'm just going to overlook things. I'm just going to forgive. I'm just, I'm just going to see the best. You're going to start finding good instead of fault. It all depends on your mindset. Here's what Isaiah tells us. Higher thoughts lead to higher ways. And it tells us that God's word is powerful. It accomplishes something. It will succeed. The power of the word of God is that it actually has power in it. So 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of strongholds. I'm saying to you that God's thoughts are not just thoughts, like to be compared to your thoughts or my thoughts. There is a supernatural divine power in the word of God to accomplish something, to cause you to succeed in relationships, in life, in your walk with God, in your career. The battle, the Bible says, is not so much in the natural, but it's literally a spiritual battle. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living 
That's the Greek word zoe, full of the life of God, and active, that's the Greek word energe, which is, we get the idea of energy. So in other words, the Word of God is full of the life of God, the Word of God is full of the energy of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, able to judge thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm saying to you, God's Word has power. It's full of life. It's full of the energy of God. The Word of God contains the power to fulfill itself. The power to heal is in the Word of God. The, 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 power, the power to cause you to, to have peace is in the Word of God. The power to help you walk in love is in the Word of God. The power to help you prosper is in the Word of God. The power to give you hope is in the Word of God. And listen, because here's what this thing is saying, 2 Corinthians 10. There's strongholds, there's thoughts, there's reasonings, there's all this stuff going on in your head. And Proverbs 23 is telling us we're reckoning, we're, we're reasoning, we got all this stuff. I love this Hebrews 4 idea. It says... The Word of God divides, it's, it's a Greek word, merismos, which literally means that when God speaks, He doesn't just speak to your head, He speaks to your spirit. Listen, listen, and I don't want, to, I don't want this to get too hyper for you, but I, but I want you to get this. Your spirit knows things your head doesn't know yet. And when God, when God speaks to your spirit and, and wants to bring peace to your life, your head is going to have all these reasonings about, all this needs to line up for me to feel at peace. But the power of the Word of God speaking to your spirit can give you peace that passes understanding. Can you hear what I'm saying? And the truth is, what we need to learn how to do is instead of taking our reasoning and try to evaluate the Word of God, let's take the Word of God, let it speak to our spirit, and change our reasoning. I'm not telling you to throw away your reasoning. I'm telling you your spirit can touch something in God that your head can't figure out yet. There's, there'll be a promise God will speak to your spirit and your head will go, I have no idea. But, it, but if you hang on to it in your spirit, eventually your head will catch up and you go, of course I can trust God in this. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. I realize I can't pray away a stronghold. But I do believe that there will be people in this room that will begin the journey today. Say, I'm going to let God's word rule the path of my life. I'm not going to dismiss the word of God too readily. But I'm going to open my heart. And maybe you're here today and a stronghold or a perspective or an angle that you've had has been, 
I don't know if I could ever really submit myself fully to Jesus. I don't know that I could ever just let him have my life. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could be good enough. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't even know if I want to. But now something in your spirit is saying, yes, I want God. And I want to pray with you. If you've never just submitted your heart to Jesus today, I'd love to pray with you. If you have known him in the past, but now you know you're not where you want to be, where you could be, where you know you should be in your relationship with God now, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you feel unsure and you're not sure at all where you stand with God. If, there, if one of those is you, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back to him. I want to be sure I'm right with him. Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high right now. Nobody's looking around, but I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand up real high. Let me see you. God bless you. Come on, anybody else? God bless you right here. Anybody else? Just lift it up. Just be bold for a minute. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you. You just say, yeah. I don't even know if my head can figure it out, but in my heart, I know. In my spirit, I know. In my inner man, I know. I want God in my life. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody say this with me. This is for all who lifted their hand, but I'd like for us all to pray it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.